1: Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. Again, think holidays, folks. Today, I visit with ESPN's Ben Baby, who covers the Bengals. We talk about Joe Burrow, the lift he's given Cincinnati, the franchise, and the city. Was there ever any thought to Chase Young at number one? And what Ben has learned about Burrow's rise from his work behind the scenes. And then I'm back with former NFL scout Tyler Roman for more fantasy football talk. And since he scouted last year's college quarterbacks, I asked him about Justin Herbert, who is off to a terrific start. I know I've heard from some of you who wonder if Washington should have gone in that direction, number two. I answered that question last week. I'll let Tyler answer that a little bit more today. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. Follow Ben on Twitter at ben underscore baby and follow tyler at nfl scout 21 and now here's my conversation with espn's ben baby all right ben the first question i have to ask is because i see this on twitter what's the joe mixon update you know you know that's
0: that's the one question that everybody apparently wants to know and and i know i like how you change your handle to yeah, you know, I, I was like, listen, I'm, I'm an account of the people. So, you know, if this is what they want. I will just be nothing but Joe Mixon uh, updates uh, on my account there. But, you know, unfortunately for, for everybody, there is no big update as of yet. It's still a little too early in the week. Um, you know, Mixon has been dealing with his foot injury for multiple weeks. And we asked Zach Taylor last week. I said, I said why didn't you put him on IR number one, uh, which would have been a minimum three-week designation? And, and Zach said, well, we thought we'd have a chance of getting him back earlier. Obviously, isn't that case. And then he said, you know, with a running back, especially we want him to be a hundred percent. And, you know, I get the sense, you know, in talking to Zach that Nixon probably wants to come back. And there, the team is being a little hesitant saying, we want to make sure you're ready and, and good to go. Cause you don't want to re aggravate a foot injury, especially on a running back. And, and Zach said, Oh, it has nothing to do with the money that we just gave him. But if you're smart. You don't want to risk a $48 million investment on a, on a throwaway season that is the 2020 Cincinnati Bengals. So I think there's a lot of factors that are involved. I think the chances that we see him against Washington this week are probably decent, but we won't know until we get to Wednesday. Okay, cool. And now, before I get
1: to Joe Burrow, because that's the big topic here, I also I know that they had a very makeshift offensive line last week against Pittsburgh. Is that something we're gonna see moving forward? Do you think it's gonna be better for this week? What what's the what's the update there?
0: Yeah, I think you're gonna see you you're probably gonna get your left tackle back in Jonah Williams. I would imagine he was he was close to playing. I think they ended up closer to game time saying, you know what, we're gonna go ahead and, and send him out this week. You know, you you may see um Hakeem their sixth round pick. He may end up being a right tackle if Bobby Hart can't go. Um and right guard could be interesting because they did sign Quentin Spain. And Spain has played the last two weeks, despite barely being here. I think it's funny he had his—he played in a game like ten days before his first padded practice with the team, which is which is insane to think about. Um, and, and you know you could have him at right guard, but all of that being said, you know the makeshift line has actually played pretty well. Um, it's been surprising to see it, and I think a lot of that has to do with Burrow getting the ball out of his hand a little bit faster and, and not having the line to block as long as they have been. Uh, historically this season. So I think there's a lot of factors that, got to, you know, when you're looking at the front and what Burrow and that line, you know, how they work together, uh, you know, even if you're not going to have all your pieces in there, I think it'll be serviceable uh, for this week.
1: Now with Burrow, what have been your your impressions of him? You've It's what, eight, nine games now. We're into the season. What's been your impression of him so far?
0: Yeah, I, I think you're seeing why people were so excited about him at LSU and also why there were some questions about his NFL uh, future. I think the one knock that you saw um, you know, especially in bad weather was, was the arm strength and kind of how that's not there at times. And and to be honest, anybody who's has watched him throw live for an extended amount of time has seen a couple balls that you go, I don't really, you know, I'm not too sure. That doesn't look like an NFL arm. But the thing is, is I think what people fail to realize is that's kind of why Joe Burrow is as good a quarterback as he is. I think because at a young age he never really had the elite arm strength that you see in top quarterback recruits today. Joe had to figure out other ways to be a top, top player at that position. So that means, you know, having elite timing, having elite accuracy, being able to diagnose a defense. Well, these are all things that Joe does exceptional. Um, and, you know, the, the times that he struggled, he's had to deal with really advanced fronts in Baltimore and Pittsburgh and really, you know, strong defenses. So I think those struggles are to be expected, but all the things that you see on tape, um, you know, his timing, his ability to find out um, just kind of look at a defense, and say, okay, here we go. Those are things you can't really teach a guy with a big arm. I mean, that's the one thing when you when you talk to quarterback gurus, especially at the college level, the one thing that they they always say is you can't teach a guy accuracy. I know Mike Leach is a big proponent of that, and Leach knows quarterbacks as good as anybody. And so, you know, I think the fact that Burrow doesn't have a, a massive arm is going to be a detriment at times, especially when he's not picking things up as quickly as he would like in a game. But he's shown these enough of these traits to say, okay, there is a promise here. Ah, uh, for him. So we'll see what it looks like the rest of the year, But I think he's he's held up pretty well, especially given the fact that he didn't get the offseason to work with his receivers, didn't have a chance to build that timing. And I think he'll only look better uh, the more reps that he gets on the field.
1: in your reporting of him, because you've known for you knew it for a long time before the draft that that's where they were going to go. And in your reporting of him at that time and since, A backup for one second here, because as we know, like Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow competed for that job at Ohio State and thought maybe this was going to be a week we'd revisit that battle. Well, in your reporting, what have you learned about Burrow that allowed him to go from a guy who lost that competition to being the first pick and now a
0: guy that's the face and hope of a franchise? I mean, Burrow just goes to work. I mean, that that I mean because he has to overcome a good amount. I mean, that's always kind of been his mo. Uh, When he went into yeah, I think when you look at um, his his first – this year is a prime example of that. One thing that Burrow was really concerned about was his ability to relay play calls at the line of scrimmage into his teammates in the huddle because he didn't necessarily have to do that in his final year at LSU. And so all offseason, that's what he worked on. He was in his parents' basement during COVID, you know, working on reciting play calls. He was working um, – you know, he was on Zoom with the coaching staff. They would watch – Uh, Other NFL quarterbacks, you know, like Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, whoever, go through their pre-snap cadence off the TV tape at the line of scrimmage, and then Burrow would try to mimic it. And what you've seen is Burrow has actually been really good at getting people to go off sides, and he's he's done a really good job with his hard counts. And that shows, okay, Burrow had a plan on what exactly he wanted to work on. And he did that all offseason, and it, and it's manifested, and it's been successful. That's why Joe Burrow has been a good quarterback throughout his career. He said, okay, he's very realistic, and he knows exactly where his faults are. And he goes, okay, I'm going to go attack those and get better at those. And, you know, no matter what your profession is, that's actually the sign of somebody who's elite across the board. And they say, okay, I know where my weakness is. I want to go and try to get a lot better at that. And at the end of the day, you're not going to have those weaknesses anymore. And that's what it made, that is what's made Joe Burrow be successful even after losing that starting job at Ohio State. He put in that work at LSU, and now you're seeing him put in that same kind of work in Cincinnati. So I think that is the best thing about Burrow so far is that he has the mentality to go out and be successful. And at this stage, as you know, that can be the difference between a long NFL career and a short-lived one.
1: Absolutely. Now, the other thing is in- – Based on people I talked to, because Washington had the second pick, you had to worry about or or at least consider what the Bengals would do with the first pick. Was there ever a, a point where you wondered if they would take him or not? Or did you think from right away they were going to go him? Or did you ever wonder would Chase Young go up there or would they trade that pick? Or, or was it just Burrow
0: 100% all on? Yeah, you know, I, I think I always got the sense that it was going to be Burrow uh, for the most part. Even at the Senior Bowl, when you talk to you know Duke Tobin, their de facto GM about Tua, uh, you know, he he basically talked about Tua in glowing terms, but it was almost as if Tua was going to be somewhere else. He wasn't going to be in Cincinnati, and and they did like Herbert. You know, they had a they had a really good look as as much as anybody. I mean, they the Herbert was their quarterback at the Senior Bowl, and they really wanted to get a good look at him. But even then, when they got to the combine in February you could tell that it was pretty much Joe Burrow or bust. And the big question was going to be, uh, was Joe Burrow willing to come to a place like Cincinnati? And you, you saw the front office do a lot of uncharacteristic things in terms of how much money they spent and how much they wanted to show. Uh, and maybe to, Bur- maybe to everybody, but maybe to, to Joe more than anybody else, uh, that they were invested in building a championship um, franchise here, So, which has always been the knock. And I never really got a sense that they were going to pass. But, you know, I think anybody – who looked at the draft saw Chase Young as the biggest can't miss prospect. I mean what he did at Ohio State was tremendous. Uh, you know, and we'll we'll write about it on ESPN. I think what Washington did when it's rebuilt granted it didn't really work because Haskins hasn't worked out as well as they would have liked. You know, you get the quarterback first and then you go get your, pri- your you know an elite edge rusher. I think the Bengals probably need to do that as well. They got Burrow in 2020, you know, I think they would be wise to go get somebody at the top of the draft who can't affect uh, opposing quarterbacks because for years you had Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap who did that. Those guys really aren't, Dunlap's not on the roster anymore and Atkins is a shell of himself at this point. You know, you need to have that in order to be a a successful team. And so they would be wise to get somebody um, who is, who, who can do what Chase Young does to an extent because I don't know if anybody's going to be really that good. I, I love watching Chase Young, and I think he's going to be a really special player. Did you ever talk to that, anybody there about Chase
1: Young, or was it always just quarterbacks?
0: It was. It was always quarterback. I, I think there was. It was as, as good as Chase was. You when you look at the quarterback situation and having the number one pick. I mean, that's something you cannot miss on, especially in a draft where you had. To a Burrow and then even Herbert to an extent. And and it's funny because Herbert looks a lot better than a lot of people gave him credit for in that last year at Oregon. But, you know, when you look at the Bengals' needs last year, I think you had to say, you know what, we have to go get um, a quarterback here at the number one spot. And and Burrow just seemed like a, a guy who could not miss, uh, you couldn't miss on. And, and I think they would have been foolish uh, to pass on him, even though Chase looked as good as he did.
1: You know, it's funny, and this will be the last question here for Ben. And Last year, we were talking to Terry McLaurin, and I asked him about Burrow, and his eyes just lit up. He's like, that's my guy. So he still had a hold on guys that he had played with there because of how he conducted himself and all that. And a guy like McLaurin is really going to gravitate toward guys who work like that. But along with that, so now he's got a whole locker room of guys working with him. What kind of boost has he given to that
0: franchise and even the fans of that team? He's huge. I mean, he's, he's, you know, let's, let's call it what it is. I mean, he, he might be the Bengals savior here. And that's not a hyperbole. I mean, you look at a team that has struggled for for three decades. um, And at this point, when you look at it, they've had a lot more losing than they did when they drafted Carson Palmer in in 2002, even when they got Andy Dalton in 2011. I mean, it just compounds after a while and you look at the Bengals long-term situation, even as a franchise in Cincinnati. I mean, that's not a guaranteed thing. When you look at their lease, expiring here in a few years, I think they really need Burrow to pan out. Otherwise you could be asking a lot of serious questions about the longevity of the franchise and what it's going to look like. And, and, you know, you have, you know, Burrow came in and one of the most impressive things about him is that the whole locker room immediately bought in. I mean, it was, it wasn't like, Oh, this kid's going to, you know, soft foot around and say, okay, you know, I'm going to try to feel my way around the locker room. He came in and says, I'm your starting quarterback. We're going to do, we're going to go as I go and and a lot of the guys really you know they 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 immediately rallied around him and i think you've seen that and and you know that's been one of the more encouraging things is the, the impact on the locker room and and you know we'll see how this goes if Burrow can can really have the success that that he thinks he can have and the franchise thinks he can he can have as well um it's all going to be really fascinating to see how this plays out because you know we're going to look at these three quarterbacks Tua Herbert and Burrow and track their trajectories and, and see if Cincinnati indeed made the right decision.
1: You know, it's funny that you say that because along those lines, Washington fans are going to track Tua and Herbert and Chase Young to see how that goes. And then what happens with them in the offseason, as far as that, because that's going to determine too, because they are, I think Chase Young is going to be really good, but if Herbert becomes this unbelievable player, people hear me like, well, you had this chance. So, but there's a long way to go for that, Ben. Fantastic insight. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Sean. After this break, I'll be back with Tyler Roman. Is Jameis Winston a good fantasy football play? Is Tyler surprised by Justin Herbert? You've heard me talking about Lono Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley. Just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, loneoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and take in a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee. Get my mind right. Put a little Jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background. It's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit loneoakcoffee.com. That's L-O-N-E-O-A-K-Coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount, you can thank me later. All right, Tyler, now we're back talking some fantasy football. And who are your good plays for this week?
2: This week, uh, Kalen Balaj for the Chargers. He's picked up a lot of carries the last two. He's kind of been their number one guy once Justin Jackson won an IR. Uh, he's had double digit points the last two weeks. He's been the lead back there. And he's worth a pickup, maybe a flex start. I mean, he's had 38 touches last two weeks, something you can count on. He's, he's getting the volume. Then you have a pair of Colts players. Neem Hines, he had 115 total yards with two TDs last week on Thursday night against Tennessee. And he does go with the hot hand. But Hines is their pass catching back, so he's going to get touches regardless, no matter of the flow of the game. So he's worth a pickup, especially in PPR leagues. Another one is wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. from the Colts, uh, another guy I like last year at USC. Uh, he had seven catches, 101 yards last week. He's the most talented guy on the roster right now, the receiver position. T.Y. is taking a step back, whether it be injuries or maybe just getting a little older. But I think Pittman eventually is going to be one of their top guys, if not their top receiver, going forward. He might be in the consideration for a uh, wide receiver three going forward the rest of the year. They have the Packers this week. And uh, another one is Salvin Ahmed, the running back from the Dolphins. He had 85 yards last week on 21 carries with the T D. He's been their new lead back with Miles Gaskin on IR and Matt Breida banged up. Now the another worthy flex option. They need to run the ball to keep some pressure off the Tua. So that's another guy I like uh definitely this week. He has the Dolphins. Excuse me, he's the Broncos this week. So
1: what do you do with Jameis Winston?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting one. You know, I I think a lot of a lot of t- guys have already been picking up two quarterbacks because people have been worried about COVID and every a quarterback gets, you know, hurt or whatever so he's it's been a bear market in the free agency i guess waiver aspect of quarterbacks so jamis is a guy i would consider he was i think six last year in fantasy scoring the quarterback position he has had you know he's just as good weapons this year when the ones He did in tampa now he has kamara michael thomas emmanuel sanders traquan smith Derek cook so um i think he's worth you know a roster stash especially if you only have one quarterback in your roster right now i think jamis is a solid option at least for a couple of weeks depending on how long drew's going to be out
1: how much do you read into how they used Teddy Bridgewater last year? Because last year when Teddy went in, it was as much about really the run game. So do you think that they would do that with Jameis? Or Jameis clearly is a guy who can throw the ball a little bit to both teams.
2: It could be similar, but, you know, I don't know. I think Sean Payton likes to spread the field more than he leads on with Drew because Drew just hasn't been able to do it the last couple of years. But Jameis, we know, can throw the ball down the field almost to a detriment Obviously, last couple of years. So I wouldn't be surprised if they try to open up a little bit, try to hit – um, you know, guys like Emmanuel down the field. Michael Thomas usually is, works the shorter side of the field and slants and stuff like that. But you know, he he can go deep. Um, but yeah, I think I think Jameis is going to be similar to Teddy. But don't be surprised if they try to spread stress the field a little more with Jameis as opposed to they did with Teddy last year.
1: What about a guy like Jacoby Myers with the Patriots and it, coming off the game he did um, the other night?
2: Yeah, Jacoby's a guy I liked at NC State. You know, him and Calvin Harmon were a nice one-two punch there, and he he's a talented player. I think that he. Is going to be the number one option. No one has really else just showed up for them. Nikhil Harry has been a little bit he has been disappointment for being a first round pick, and Edelman's out. So Jacoby's kind of been Cam's number one option, and he I expect him to be that going forward. But New England does run the ball a lot, and that's kind of what their bread and butter is right now. So I think if anything, he might not get as many touches just because they're going to throw the ball more. But he definitely is Cam's number one option. So if you if you need a receiver and he's one top ones available, I definitely pick him up.
1: Let's turn a little bit to another quarterback, Justin Herbert, and a big discussion as he's doing well. His numbers are good, and Tua has been winning. Um, This team, Washington, had a choice to make Chase Young or go with those quarterbacks, and I know it was pretty firm on the Chase Young stamp from that angle. What has been your take on Justin Herbert from what you've seen? Are you surprised based on what you saw leading into the draft?
2: Yeah, I'm a little surprised. I had him as my third quarterback behind Tua and, um, of course, Burrow. And, you know, with watching film with him is that I was a little concerned. He had a little bit of inaccuracy issues, but I think more that I saw is that he he didn't show up as much in big games when we need, when they needed him to. Like he he would just, you know, uh, get his crap to bed for a lack of better terms sometimes and just didn't show up. Um, I think maybe he put too much pressure on himself. I think his team was not – Oregon never had great skill players to go with him. I think he maybe was just trying to get in his head too much, trying to do too much. Um, I always thought he'd be a good starter in time due to his frame and physical ability. His arm strength is, you know, unreal. We're seeing it this year with that. But I honestly did not see it become this quickly. He's been awesome. He's been, you know, right there with Burrow, the top quarterback, rookie quarterback. And obviously, I think it's helped that he has weapons that he never had at Oregon with Keenan Allen being a top 10 receiver. Mike Williams, a 50-50 jump ball specialist. Hunter Henry's a great tight end. Austin Eckler is hurt, but another good running back. So he has a lot of weapons, and he's showing if he had those in Oregon, maybe he would have challenged Burrow for number one or even got a little higher than he did. Obviously, six is high enough, but, you know, Herbert's been awesome, and I've been really impressed with him. And, like I said, definitely was surprised by it, but, you know, he's he's been great, and he's definitely their franchise guy going forward for years to come.
1: Obviously, there's a long way to go in the guy's career, and after a couple, you know, half year or whatever, I still think Chase Young is going to be really good. But when you look I, back on this, do you do you look back and are you gonna look back now already and say, hey, this team should have gone that direction? Or you know, like I said, my inclination is say, let's see how this plays out. But you know, I mean, there I've I've gotten that question a lot from fans.
2: <laughs> no, I agree with I agree with you. I, I, I think we need to see how it plays out. I mean, everyone thought Dwayne was gonna be this guy going forward, so you gotta go with the best player available, and Chase is going to be. You know in my opinion all pro and he I guess people might not like his sack numbers or everything like that or if you're watching the film he's getting triple team double team he's teams are keen in on him as Washington's best pass rusher and it's pretty evident. So I think yes the stats aren't there but Chase is a dominant player for this team. Yes, quarterback's the most important position, but I you just gotta let it play out. Like I said, yes of course hindsight if we knew that Haskins wasn't going to be the guy. Yes, two and Herbert should have been consideration. But I don't disagree with the decision they're going with. And this year is a nice draft class going forward with um, you got Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, they might not be in that position to pick him, But there's going to be plenty of guys this draft. And maybe they go their veteran for out, for a year or two and free and see who knows. But I, I don't think it was the wrong decision to chase young take Chase Young at two at all.
1: Well, let's end on another quarterback, Joe Burrow facing Washington this week. What's been your take on him? And as a fantasy play, do you like him this week and anybody else?
2: Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow has been amazing. He looks great. I mean, even that first game, I can't remember if they played the first game of the year. He looked so cool, calm, collected on a two-minute drive to take his team down the field. And I think their kicker missed it to tie the ball game. But just I just loved how his moxie and how calm he looks. Being his first NFL game, like it was nothing, and he's, nothing is too big for him and I really do like Joe Burrow. He's going to be a great quarterback for them. But fan wives, wise yeah, I think he's a, he's a solid start. I and mean, if you have someone that's a little better, I would maybe go that way. Washington's defense has been pretty good against uh, fantasy purposes-wise, shutting down other teams opposing quarterbacks. Obviously, last week was a little different with Stafford. Had a pretty good game. But I think he's a solid option for them. Joe Mixon's a nice start for them if he's healthy. But he's been hurt the last couple of weeks. T. Higgins is a really good young receiver. Uh, Rookie receivers had... A, double-digit points in three of the last four games. And, you know, Washington-wise, you got you got Terry as a must-start every week. Antonio Gibson's getting touchdowns, two touchdowns last week. And he's going to keep getting more carries, hopefully, come going forward. And McKissick, he's a really nice play in PPR, PPR at least. He's had 15 targets the last two weeks. Excuse me, 15 targets just last week. I think he's getting close to 30 targets the last two weeks. So McKissick is definitely getting the volume with Alex Smith back there at quarterback.
1: And he's getting the ball in position to run with it, too, because he's getting to that check down pretty quick. But anyway, Tyler, I appreciate you joining me. Thanks a lot for the insight. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Ben and Tyler for joining me, and thank you for listening. Not a fun time right now, folks, but there's a lot still to monitor. It's the first year of a program, and this is a young team. They need to show growth in the final seven games, Boosted, of course, by some wins. And thanks to Lono Coffee for their continued support. I'll be back on Thursday with another podcast. Talk to you next time.